The Start On Demand. demand. McGarry and McNabb, Mackling is back next week, and then I will be off next week, and I am looking forward to actually taking the week (laughs) off, whereas it seems our friend Greg Mackling, and I said to him this morning at 4 a.m., Greg, you are not good at holidaysing. No. Yesterday, so... He's, he's such a big reader, and we know we bug him all the time about his love of Twitter. So we, you could imagine that for him, even when he's on vacation, Twitter might be that space he goes to just to have some fun, read, learn, do some things. You know, we know he's working on his backyard, and that was one of the reasons why he wanted this week off. We've got restrictions in place. You can't really go anywhere. So I get that. A vacation right now is might not really feel like a vacation anyway. He sent some story ideas to us yesterday. I responded, I think, thank you, but please do not email us again <laughs> until Sunday, man. Like, at least take a couple days break. Well, get up this morning. Bing, bing, bing. It's Greg. <laughs> he's, now. He's booking guests. He's yeah. sending story ideas. I mean, that's that's why he's got his job here, right? He won the Talk Idol contest because he is a news junkie. He always used to say if he was on the beach and he like when he was a youngster and he saw a young woman sitting there reading a newspaper, he'd think that's my kind of girl. Uh, so we get it. He's he's like a, a black hole of just consuming information. But even though we were give, ribbing him about, dude, like, A, it's 4 a.m. What are you doing awake? Why are you on Twitter? But he sent us a couple of really important stories, I think, a good news scenario and a bad news one. So where do, you, where do you want to start? Well, exactly. This is the response to Greg is, please go to bed, but also thank you. Great ideas. <laughs> so first of all, the good news story, because this is where we want to get to, the University Health Network uh, tweeted last night, and that's basically a big network of hospitals in Toronto, including the Toronto General Hospital, that for the first time, the ICU at Toronto General does not have any COVID patients. And that tweet went on to say, we are very grateful for the extraordinary MSICU team, hashtag thank you. And that's where we want to get to, right, Brett? I mean, we heard of more deaths yesterday. We know the variants uh, the Delta variant continues to cause some problems. There's still widespread concerns within our hospital, despite the case count dropping. And so when we hear that that's a space that a Toronto hospital got to when they had were hit very hard in that third wave, I think, okay, cool. Like that, that's a place we can get to. So that's the good news scenario. Yes. And then the bad news scenario has to do with those who are inoculated with AstraZeneca and the Toronto Star and I love this headline. They're using the headline, Burn in the USA. Canadians who got the AstraZeneca vaccine can't see Springsteen on Broadway. Only FDA-approved vaccines will be accepted at the first Broadway show since the pandemic began. And there was a letter that was written to the Toronto Star, and I'll just sort of uh, read a couple of lines of this. This is uh, from Cindy in Toronto who says, Despite all the missteps and bungled communication, I continue to think I had done the right thing in getting an AstraZeneca jab when it was first offered to my cohort back in mid-March. I was equally thrilled that after much angst and the help of vaccine hunters, I was able to get my second jab at the 12-week mark. But then I came a wrinkle I wasn't prepared for. Uh, Long story short, tried to get a ticket for a Broadway event in New York City. And I learned that only fully vaccinated people would be allowed in. And I was pleased with that requirement. But imagine my letdown when I learned the state of New York only recognizes the Pfizer, Moderna, and the Johnson & Johnson vaccines. The AstraZeneca my government urged me to get 
will not help me one bit if I want to travel to New York, even if I have a secure vaccine passport. And turns out that vaccine shaming is a real thing. And this Mm. is something that was kind of that was lurking in the back of my mind yesterday as we were talking about this announcement that that is expected next week regarding potential uh, travel restrictions being lifted to the U.S. And I wondered, am I even going to be allowed in because I'm AstraZeneca all the way? Here's my thoughts. First of all, with the Springsteen concert. So the the language is with an FDA-approved vaccine. So AstraZeneca was never approved to, for use in the States, although I believe they offered, they did buy some and offered to ship us some. So they were okay with that. I'm going to look into that a bit more. I don't think this will get very far for a couple of reasons. It's my understanding they didn't approve it in the States more for the blood clot, clot concerns, the rare cases of blood clots that were occurring it wasn't about the efficacy per se. It was more about the after effects, the side effects, the possible ramifications there. So I don't know what they're saying here. If they're going to go down a road of saying we're only doing the ones that we approved and also the ones that have the higher efficacy, is is that what it's about? Because there's all sorts of changing data with that. I just don't see this getting very far for a bunch of reasons. Um one, each country has its own policy to use its own things. Two, tourism. It's not just Canadians. I think it's well over a million Canadians that took the AstraZeneca vaccine, if I'm not mistaken. The number is 1. actually... 1.7. Thank you. Yeah, 1.7 million. But the UK, it was widespread use in the UK, other European countries, uh, uh, other Asian countries. So you're turning away a whole lot of people. And I think at the end of the day, maybe not right now, but at the end of the day, if that becomes a wider spread policy, it won't last very long, Brett, because money talks. McGarry and McNabb, Mackling back next week. The song you're hearing right now is called Sorry by Buck Cherry. We're going to talk about apologies in a moment. And in our next segment, we're going to tell you how you can become our fourth and final qualifier for Dad Rocks. But first... We want to just provide a couple of notes of feedback on the conversation we had last half hour regarding AstraZeneca. Those vaccinated with AstraZeneca can't go see Springsteen on Broadway. And what are some of our listeners saying, Loren? Yeah, that's because they are deciding that in the States at that concert venue, they're only letting people in who have had FDA approved vaccines and AZ was not one of them. And so that, of course, you know, not that all 1.7 million people who have been vaccinated with AZ were planning to go to the concert, but raises other questions about whether there will be this kind of vaccine shaming or vaccine discussion where some people might not get to do certain things depending on the vaccine they took. And one of our listeners is wondering, well, how would they even know which vaccine you took, what kind of proof are they looking for? They texted to say all the passport needs to say is that you have been vaccinated, double dose. No further information is appropriate, same as they can ask religious beliefs or a sexual orientation or all sorts of things. That's how that vaccine card is supposed to go. It's just supposed to say double dose. At least that's how we understand it here in Manitoba. So he's wondering, how, how do we even go down that road? And then I said, I feel like this won't get very far because money talks. And Dave said, yeah, but given what's going on, I wouldn't be surprised by anything. And I think that's fair. It seems to be all sorts of dips and valleys and turns that we've seen in the last 15 months, Brett. So who knows? Maybe it'll be up to venues to 
to decide. Maybe some airlines will do it, some won't. Maybe it'll stop with the Springsteen concert or the Springsteen Broadway show. I certainly hope so. I, I feel like this is a ridiculous move. Yeah, that's a good point. And I, and I actually don't know. I'm curious to know what, my, what it'll say on my immunization card. I did order the physical card. The digital one is just a QR code. Um, but uh, like if you go on the province's website and look at your immunization history, it actually identifies there that it's uh, the AstraZeneca vaccine, but no idea what it's going to say on my card. So I will wait for that to come in the mail. In the meantime... It seems to me the siren seems to be the hardest word. <laughs> Such a sad song. <laughs> I have not heard this in years. Well, I think it's one of his first by Elton John, uh, or at least the first hit. I'm not. I'll have to double check that. But this, the song, we're we're playing it because we've seen this kind of headline before. Sorry, not sorry. Why we need to stop apologizing? That was an article that was written uh, in the last week or so by the woman who has the title Chief Wellbeing Officer at Deloitte. Wow. And so they're a massive consulting firm, but also great title, Chief Wellbeing Officer. And she's one of several people over the past few years who have really pushed back on this idea that, yeah, sorry, that song says sorry seems to be the hardest word. But she writes, in fact, in our culture, it's actually becoming one of the easiest for many of us. Apologizing has become a reflex. But it goes on to say that over-apologizing comes at a cost. People might not believe you anymore. It just seems to be this word that you throw out. It also means you're saying sorry for something that maybe you shouldn't be sorry for, that you need to be more open and honest about stuff, that you don't always have to be apologizing. And so we wanted to ask this morning, our listeners, and you bet, I know I'm guilty of it hundreds of times, potentially hundreds of times per day in text. You guys, oh, sorry, guys, I didn't mean to jump in there. Or I'm at the grocery store yesterday and I'm walking out the door and I, I see that I'm ahead of a woman and I'm going to get the door before her. And then I turn and I say, oh, sorry, am I in your way? When I'm not. Like, I don't <laughs> even know why, why I would do that. But I instantly felt like I had something to be sorry about when I didn't. And so if we're always at the state of I'm sorry, well, does anyone even buy into it anymore that someone's actually feeling apologetic about something? I often tell my friends uh, to stop apologizing, and I'll say it to you too, even though I'm guilty of doing it as well. But like yesterday, I asked a friend if he could go golfing on Saturday, and he said, ah, oh, sorry, man, I've got a zoo date with the family. And I said, never, never apologize for family duties. Family comes first, and I will never get angry with you. Like, And I tell all my friends that. They're like, oh, sorry, man, I can't make it. I got family stuff. I'm like, why are you apologizing to me for being a good family man? Like, <laughs> you're, not, you're, you're not shirking your responsibilities. So I try to tell... People like don't don't ever apologize to me for that. You have no nothing to worry about there. And yet, I do the same thing too. Oh, sorry this, sorry that. And I know that Canadians in general are sort of like gently mocked everywhere for being over apologetic. Like I remember there was a commercial for um, I think it was the Amazing Race Canada, and the the host of the show. Oh, his name escapes me. The the. The athlete, the gold, the gold medalist from Russell, Manitoba, John Montgomery, is that his name? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he he was he was standing in a canoe. Uh, he was wearing like a plaid sort of jacket, and there was a moose in the background, and he was holding maybe a beer, and his T-shirt said, "I'm sorry." Uh, so it's it's part of our Canadian identity, but 
Yet it does seem to be this just reflex. We feel this need to say sorry for everything. And I kind of wish I could like sort of shut that out of myself. Mm-hmm. And that makes me want to ask sometimes too, are you really? Because you're just saying it in the weirdest moments. Like you should, like your friend, your point to your friend, don't apologize for spending time for your family. Well, the Deloitte article goes on to say, never apologize for self-care. If, you, if you're missing a meeting because you're going to a doctor or even or a, a massage or a chiropractor, oh, I'm sorry, I'm going to the doctor. No, yeah, you don't be sorry about that. Like that's super important, right? But we throw that word in. And so you're feeling like you should apologize, but you maybe shouldn't have to. And then also it just starts, it loses its effect. And so we'd love to know what people think about how often they are saying I'm sorry or whether it bugs them when people say I'm sorry. And maybe we should just leave the last word with Dwight Schrute at The Office. You know, one of my favorite shows, Brett, he had two strikes by corporate. He was in a lot of trouble for a session that he did where he tried to teach people uh, CPR and then basically gave someone a heart attack because he cut the face off a mannequin that he was using. So it was it was a whole big thing. So this was his this was his uh, sorry not sorry. As a disciplinary measure, he is going to have to issue a formal apology. Dwight, have you prepared your statement of regret? I have. Let's hear it. <clears throat> I state my regret. <laughs> you couldn't have memorized that. Not because I do not feel it. Okay, everyone. Uh, So he shows up with this piece of paper, opens it up, reads it. I state my regret. And Jim's like, you couldn't have memorized that huge apology. Maybe that's just, you know, he says, I could not memorize it because I do not feel it. If you don't feel it, why are you saying it? McGarry and McNabb, Mackling back next week. We are looking for our fourth and final qualifier for Dad Rocks. One lucky listener will win a $500 gift certificate for Namath Diamonds for Dad. We're giving that grand prize away tomorrow. And we're, we, this week we've just been, we've been doing the same topics we did last month for Mother's Day, but just flipping them to Dad. So the final topic we did for Mother's Day was your favorite recipe from Mom. Well... This week, we're going to ask you favorite recipe from dad. And it could be a good one. Like maybe your dad's an awesome cook or was an awesome cook. Or maybe it's something weird. Like uh, my dad, for example, one time, I don't know, 20 years ago, he started eating toast with peanut butter and cheese Whiz. And I looked at him and said, are you nuts? Like, what's wrong with you? Is it time to to finally commit you or what? (laughs) And uh, he says, just try it. So I did. And he was right. It's great. So I like peanut butter and cheese Whiz on toast. You know what? It's been years since I've done that. I'm glad we're having this conversation. I think I forgot about that. I would have to that's go out and get some cheese Whiz. a lot of sodium. I feel like that's a lot of salt coming into the body with a combo like that. Oh, maybe that's why I stopped doing it. But it's still very good. So way to go, Smash Gordon. So text us at 204-780-6868. We shall choose our qualifier at 915. Let's go around the horn here. Cam Poitras, we'll start with you. Uh, well, my dad, like one of his favorite things, he he, he kind of grew up with, with not a lot of money. So one of the things that he just absolutely loves and he sit, tells me he can eat every day uh, is just KD without the cheese, just the noodles, boil them. And he doesn't like just regular macaroni noodles. Like he, they have to be like the KD ones. <laughs> Uh, and then just a can of tomatoes, and that's it. And then just, like, insane amounts of butter. Like, you, when you say that, oh, that's way too much butter, no, no, you have to keep going. Uh, and, like, my dad just absolutely loves that. He would just he'd make that for us all the time, and I've never been the biggest fan of it. Like, I would always eat it because it's not disgusting or anything like that, but I'm all, I always kind of look at it and I'm like, this is just, like, 
just blah, but my dad would just eat it up. Like he makes a big pot, puts it in the puts it in the fridge, and he'll be good for all week. Did you eat it too? Oh yeah, you know I would. Yeah, if he made it, I would eat it. But it was always just like kind of like man, just tomatoes and like bland macaroni. Yeah. Why not the cheese? What was his problem with that uh, delicious know. fake cheese stuff? So you'd look in the cupboard, and there would be like fifteen KD <laughs> packets that were unused. <laughs> And so we're looking up ways to, like, how are we going to use this? It's actually good on popcorn. Yes. Um, it's great on popcorn, but, like, we would always just have these cheese packets. You just always just liked it with just the tomato, with just a can of tomatoes. That is amazing. Yeah. Je- Jeff Forte, what about you? Uh, you know, I, well, my dad's a good barbecuer, I'll say that, but uh, cook, not, not so much. I, you know, I, I think he'd starve if it wasn't for my mom, unfortunately. <laughs> Hate to throw you under, under the bus, Dad, but... Uh, <laughs> It's it's the truth. It's it's really the truth. I, I feel bad. For so not that. even a weird one, like a weird thing that he slapped together for you. No, not really. Like he would make KD. Like my mom was out out of town on business. He'd make me KD. I think you know maybe he's a KD specialist. I <laughs> I suspect there are a lot of dads out there who are good at KD or like hot dogs. And then you finish it off with a beautiful just layer of of ketchup. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Braun, what about you? Not Jeff Braun. Oh, yeah, Jeff Braun's off this week. Adrian McMorris is in for uh, Jeff. Hello there, Adrian. Hello. I'm not Jeff Braun, but I'm I'm just as good and maybe one day. <laughs> Probably not. Man. If you ask my dad, I'm not. Oh, well then. Happy Father's yeah. Day. <laughs> well, he's got to keep me humble, you know. My head's getting too big to fit through the door. Um, speaking of dad recipes, he's not I'm, – I'm, I'm kind of on the same boat as Jeff there. Not a great cook, but he can barbecue – you know, out of necessity. But again, if my mom wasn't around, I don't think, I think he would weigh about 80 pounds. What is he barbecue? Uh, well, my mom will season, you know, chicken or, or steak or whatever it might be. And then his job is literally just to turn it on, grill it, and then let my mom know when it's done. And then sometimes she goes out and takes it off the grill. So I don't fully understand the, the process there, but they have a system, I guess. I will say, I'll give my dad some credit. He's very good at making egg salad. But I think it's because nobody else wants to make it. <laughs> Fair enough. It, just, it's, it's, it stinks. It does. He stink. loves it. <laughs> it does so, so it's not it's not good, but he likes it. Oh no! I'll, sorry, I'll, I'll rephrase. It's very good, but we all kind of leave the room when he makes it, just because it, it's an overwhelming smell. And you know, more for him. But I like it. I won't have too much because you know I like to talk to people. You know somewhat close, so I don't want them to smell all that. But, uh, yeah, he's not bad at that. Other than that, oh, boy, I think he'll eat just about anything anyone else makes. He's not a picky eater, which is good. And Loren? My dad is the kind of person that eats to live. Like, it's not like he's doing things to make them fancy. And so of late, he has two dishes that he's great at. He does lamb, which I do not like, and he does escargot, which I don't mind. He has these two dishes that he's super proud of. But that's it. Growing up, he was so basic. I remember working with him one summer at the feed mill, and he brought me my lunch, and it was a cheese sandwich, but just slices of cheese between the bread, like no butter. He's like, well, it's cheese and bread. You're fine. And his, But his go-to <laughs> dish... That I remember coming home in university, he was visiting me in Ottawa. My girlfriend comes to me and she says, uh, your dad's making supper. I was like, uh-huh. She's like, it, it's, um, it's like bread in a frying pan. I was like, yeah. And he put tuna fish on it. I was like, ooh. And she's like, and mushroom soup. I was like, yes. And then she's like, and peas? And I was like, uh-huh. And I was like, what's the problem, Jen? She's like, I'm not eating that. And I was like, it's tuna fish on toast. And that's the only thing he knew how to make when we were growing up. So if my mom was away, you knew you were getting tuna fish on toast with warmed up mushroom soup on top and peas and weirdly it is 
delicious. I think the peas were just the way to say like there's something green in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Beyond boatloads of sodium and salt. But it was delicious. So tuna fish on toast, grossed out by roommates. But I love it. I'd eat that right now. That, that does sound good. I just had a tuna sandwich the other day for the first time in years, and it was delicious. Oh, Put some nice. mushroom soup on it. Okay. I just might. Throw in some peas. Oh, I love tuna. Okay. So here's what we need from you. 204-780-6868. Tell us about your dad recipes, your favorite recipes from dad, whether they're amazing, like maybe he's an amazing cook or an amazing grill master, or maybe it's just something completely off the wall or weird, like, hey, kids, uh, dinner time, and you get to the table and it's a bowl of frosted flakes uh, with expired milk. I don't know. McGarry and McNabb, Mackling is back next week. Before we talk more about vaccines, Global's Abigail Turner is at the Leela Super site. We're asking you at 204-780-6868 to text us your favorite dad recipes, or maybe your not-so-favorite dad recipes. Like, dad recipes sometimes are pretty goofy, and that's what we're looking for. If it's a good one, like if your dad was an awesome cook, great. Tell us a story about that, and if he wasn't, <laughs> tell us about that too. Dad rocks, $500 gift certificate for Namath Diamonds. We're giving it away on Friday. Pat, for example, says, our dad was famous for his infamous egg dippers. Myself and my brothers had to endure the traditional egg dipper stage. Each piece of toast was cut meticulously to French fry size. The egg was soft boiled to a precise temp and tested with one of the pieces for the perfect density. He was so proud of his dippers that we could not break his heart by not eating them down with a forced smile on her faces. <laughs> we now think back to dad with love when we make the odd egg dipper. Thanks, dad. I think that sounds great. It does sound good. Eggs, I think, are really are a go-to meal. And I had mentioned earlier that that was the thing my dad would often make if my mom was away, you know, or, or just had to be out at a meeting or something. It would be eggs. Did you see uh, Joanne texted to say, OMG, my dad is not a cook. When her little brother was born, which meant that mom was in hospital for several days, here was the menu, according to Joanne. Breakfast, fried eggs. Lunch, boiled eggs. Supper, scrambled eggs. (laughs) She says, we were more than happy when mom finally came home. And her dad says he's even surprised that she still likes eggs after that ordeal. Uh, I, I think that sounds good. I love eggs. I could eat eggs every day. Ten days, three times a day in a row. Well, maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. Yeah, I even get bored of pizza sometimes. So keep those texts coming, 204-780-6868. And right now we want to talk about how getting that second shot in your arm faster, that's the goal right now for Manitoba with appointments ramping up, Loren, and lineups continuing to form. Yeah, we heard about Wednesday, Leela site, uh, another quick turnaround. The the vaccines were gone in a couple hours as people lined up. Same thing happened Tuesday. 1,900 doses were handed out. There's another walk-in at Leela today, and that's where we find Global News Morning reporter Abigail Turner. Good morning, Abigail. Good morning, guys. So tell us what you're seeing. Are people ready to get this this shot going? You know what? I couldn't believe it when I drove up. I thought I'd just do a quick drive-by, see if, you know, There's a few stragglers standing in line, but I can tell you, uh, I was here at 6.30. There was already about 50 people lined up. It's now 7 a.m. and easily we've passed that 100 person mark in line. People sitting on lawn chairs, blankets. It's really got like a a community feel to it. People are all pretty cheerful from what I can tell. 
Um, and we know that they're handing out those second doses today. It's not just the first doses that the province had originally said. They are telling us that they're trying to, you know, uh, spread it out. Obviously, first doses being uh, prioritized, but they are handing out those second doses as well. What it doesn't it open it opens at nine, right? Yeah, yeah, if you can believe it, there's already 100 people lined up here. Doors open at 9 a.m. I haven't seen any workers just yet, so I'm sure if you arrive uh, and you are one of the employees at this vaccine site, you'll definitely uh, be surprised. But we do know they ran out of vaccines yesterday and the day before. So I think folks are really hoping, you know, if they get in this lineup early, they won't be one of those unfortunate people not to get a dose. Yeah, and I know for many people, they were saying that, that there was that eagerness to get that second dose, but the online booking system, you know, might not have had them getting it until July or mid-July or even late July. I went online looking yesterday out of curiosity, and, and I also phoned the, the line, and every site in the province was booking me in mid-July to late July. And so if you have a chance to get in that line and get your first or second, that might be the way to go. Do we know which vaccine is available there? Abigail, I know it was Pfizer Tuesday and Wednesday. Is it that the same today? We're hearing it's Pfizer again today, but something to note too, Loren, is if you're not able to get into this line today or, you know, you're hearing that it's already 100 people in line, maybe you don't want to wait today. The good news is because this is a pilot project and it's seen such an overwhelming positive response, the province said yesterday they're going to start doing more walk-ins except at the RBC convention site next week. So everyone except the RBC convention site, they're getting about 10% extra capacity But keep in mind, those will be Moderna shots. But the good news is we're told that you can mix. So if you had Pfizer the first time, you can get that Moderna at a walk-in site next week. Global's Abigail Turner joining us live from the Leela Super Site. Thank you so much for the update on this, Abigail. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. 100 people in line by 7 a.m. for a 9 a.m. vaccine walk-in clinic. This Mm -hmm. is where where the world is at right now. Like You used to stand in line to buy concert tickets or to get into a movie or maybe to go to the bar, and now we're standing in line for two hours to get a vaccine. Yeah, I I feel like this is where we want to be right now. It's so bizarre to say that, but this is where you need to be. You need to see that people are that interested, that they want to maybe sit there for an hour, two hours, three hours. I know it was a a, a good hour wait and change for many at Leela yesterday before they announced that within two, the first two hours that they would get to everybody who was already given the sticker in line, but they couldn't take any more. And so I guess this might be the way forward, not just the booking system, but I think walk-ins might be the preferred method for many people, particularly because um, it allows for some flexibility, allows you to say, I'm just going to try right now. I've got two hours off. I'll try right now. And if I can't, I go again tomorrow. I, I, I don't know. I think a lot, I think this is this is the way forward in my mind. And that's why I, that's why I went when I went. Uh, I guess it would have been uh, just over two weeks mm-hmm. now, a little over two weeks uh, when I went to that walk-in clinic because it was a Saturday afternoon. I wasn't doing anything. I was just sitting on my couch doing nothing. So I thought, well, I might as well do nothing in line in the sun and wait for the second dose of the AstraZeneca. And then I got it done and I didn't have to, I didn't have to worry about when am I going to get my next shot? What's my next shot going to be? I just got her done, got my immunization card and uh, I can't go see Bruce Springsteen and Broadway, <laughs> but uh, are you going to anyway? No, no. Yeah. So you're fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, although I have to ask Jeff Braun, which vaccine he got. Cause he might want to go. He loves the boss. He loves He's Bruce Pfizer. Springsteen. He's Pfizer day. Eh? Okay. Well then he... I believe so. Why I even know that is beyond me. So, you know, a lot of things though. So 
I never assume Loren doesn't know something. If, if I ever need to know an answer. I'm making it up. We talked about Balderdash <laughs> yesterday. I was very good at that game growing up where you had to make up definitions. You should start to question me a bit more. <laughs> McGarry and McNabb, Mackling is back next week. 204-780-6868, your favorite dad recipes for Dad Rocks. $500 gift certificate, Namath Diamonds. Grand prize giveaway tomorrow. And, Loren, I know we both responded to Dwayne. Yeah. Do you have Dwayne's text in front of you there? Yeah, Dwayne texted to say, Morning, my father would make HP sauce and peanut butter sandwiches. He also made cheese Whiz and pickle sandwiches. As a kid thought they were crazy and now they're great and i said oh boy hp sauce and peanut butter because that's steak sauce is it not that's basically what you would use it for yeah i think so Dwayne said yeah no it's really good give it a go and then you wrote again hp and peanut butter (laughs) like we can't really quite wrap our heads around it i i always love this kind of because who opened the fridge and thought okay what to do what to do i know i know barbecue flavor and peanut butter have to taste good on bread. Maybe it adds like a smokiness to the to the peanut butter. I don't know. It, it also may have been sometimes people discover interesting new recipes when they're they've you know had a little bit to drink. So mm-hmm. maybe that's how it happened. I don't know. But the cheese whiz and pickles that sounds great. And yeah, H. You know what? HP and peanut butter. If you say it, it works, Dwayne, I'll take your word for it. And maybe I'll try that someday. Also, here's one. My dad once boiled a bag of peeled garlic bulbs, <laughs> thinking oh, no. thinking they were gnocchi. When I sat down to eat, I told him they were garlic. He said, "No way. Take a bite." I bit in. Sure enough, straight. Garlic. That oh, if you if you ever just bitten into garlic, it is potent. Oh, even when you know you chop it and you, before you put it in the frying pan or what have you, and you take a little piece, like that is enough to take you. It's uh, it's got power, <laughs> steam power for sure. Other than steaks on the barbecue, he only knew how to make us banana smoothies, and he would give me precise instructions on how to make perfect scrambled eggs. LOL. That's another text. That's subjective. Perfect scrambled eggs. What you what you think is perfect, I might not like. Eggs are funny. Like, I, you know, when you go to make them for people, you have to... I used to work in a restaurant in high school, and they'd come in being, like, over easy or over hard or poached or whatever, and I didn't know how to make them any... Like, I just... However they were cooked on the grill is how they went out, and the server would say, like, well, which one's the over easy? I'm like, that one. (laughs) (laughs) Surprised I didn't get more complaints. (laughs) Ah, Plate number two. Keep those texts coming. 204-780-6868. We'll find our next qualifier, our final qualifier at 9.15. Small town salute. And normally we might go to a specific community to talk about the, the community or perhaps an event or an organization but with a lot of people looking to perhaps hit the road for the weekend for a day trip or whatever, we thought, you know what? Since we're always hungry, let's just make a make life miserable, I guess, for ourselves and <laughs> and get hungrier uh, because we're looking for ideas, Loren. Yeah, we want to find out if you're in Winnipeg or whatever community you're in, where's the place that you might deliberately drive an hour or an hour and change to just 
to eat. And we know a lot of restaurants are struggling right now. They're working to get the word out and word of mouth out about the fact that they might have takeout or delivery. And so let us know what some of your favorite spots are that you would say, you know what, you know where we're going for a hamburger today. And then you hit the road and yes, it might take an hour, but it's amazing. So I think, for example, of Sills Drive-In in Carmen, it's yep. just an hour and change for me, but the milkshakes there are great. The onion rings are good. Great burgers. It's been around, I think, since the 60s. I, I, it's just a fabulous spot to stop in. You can make an excuse to go there. It might be three in the afternoon, and I'm thinking of an afternoon burger, and, and that's where uh, we'll slide into if we're on the road. So that's a great choice. Um, there's one place in Oak Bank I've been meaning to get to. Is it Cedar in Maine? Yep. Am I getting that name right? Yep. Because the burgers there look amazing. I just haven't gotten around to going there. Do you have a spot, Brett? Uh, I've heard nothing but excellent things about that cedar in Maine, by the way. Uh, I've yet to, to get out there. And uh, Sills is a mandatory stop on the way back from Minnewasta when I go golfing in Morden. But the first place that jumps to mind for me is Salty's in Winnipeg Beach because a buddy of mine, Jamie, Jamie Laker, taco maker, uh, dance floor Quaker, he uh, had a cabin, his family has a cabin out on Pine Street in Winnipeg Beach. And... Uh, we would go like I've been going there for years, or had been going for years. It's been a while since we've been out there, but we went there every summer for years, and uh, we would always go to Salty's multiple times. And uh, it, like I just I can't imagine. And then my buddy Burke has had a cabin in Sandy Hook, so the, the number of burgers I have consumed at Salty's, uh, I can't even count how many. Mm. It's and I, I like I just can't go. I remember one year. I was, I can't remember what time I finished work, but I had to race to get out there because I knew Salty's was closing at 10. And I think I made it by 930 because I, I needed that burger. So that's the first place that, that jumps to mind for me. And then in terms of a diner, and I, I can't, I can't remember the name. I've only been to it once. I've only been to Stonewall once. I went in 2018, I believe it was. We went to pick uh, strawberries. Mm-hmm. So then we went through the town and there's uh, we just wanted to stop at a local restaurant and uh, it was just this, you know, classic old diner, nothing fancy to it, greasy spoon kind of place. And I had one of the best burgers I've ever had there. And I just, Is I, it sorry. the kiln? It could, Someone just texted to say that the kiln it, in Stonewall has the best burger and fries in Manitoba. So I'm wondering if that's what you're thinking of. It could be. I'll have to look at, look that up and see if I can find a picture of it. And I'm sorry that, that the name escapes me. It's just uh, I went there the one time. Uh, but it was great. And that's, you know, anytime I, I go to, uh, happen to go to a small town, if I have the time, like a lot of times I'm just passing through because I'm going there to, to golf or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if I have the time, uh, always make sure to stop somewhere or Selkirk. Ah, and I'm going to need help on this one too. I think there might the word river might be in the name of the restaurant. <laughs> I'm brutal at remembering these things. Well, you know it when you see it, right? Like that I think that's kind of part of it. It's, you know the flavor, you know exactly what you're going to order. I know there's that riverboat restaurant in Selkirk. I'm not sure if that's again what you're thinking about, but our listeners will weigh in. They'll know what you're trying to reference. There's also Ziggs in Stonewall. Dale thinks that might be what you're you're referencing there's a smokehouse, a barbecue smokehouse in Miami called oh, okay. Two Old Crows Barbecue and Smokehouse. A listener has thrown that in. They say Riverboat in Selkirk. There's also Rocky in Selkirk. Rock- oh, boy. I'm going to have to make a list here. Oh, it might be Roxy's, actually. It might be Roxy's. And I think they, I think that this listener is saying Sig's Grill. That sounds like it's probably, that's probably what it was. Yeah. Oh, look at all this. It's, it's Sig's on Main Street. Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, somebody saying the kids and I have driven to Toulon just to eat at Fridays. It's a roadside spot that has a surprisingly diverse menu, large portions, and tastes amazing. And you know what, Michelle? Thank you for mentioning that because I haven't golfed in Toulon in a few years. So that sounds like a great uh, one-two combo. Go golfing and then stop at this Fridays for a snack afterward. Summer Shack in Carberry. So if you're traveling down the number one, maybe going to Brandon, maybe on your way to Minnedosa, you could go through Carberry if you wanted to. You could stop at Carberry and have a snack there. Country Boy in Gimli, Juliana says, is amazing. I can't keep up with these. Uh, Jennifer's at Seven Sisters Fall. She would drive over an hour and a half for their fabulous food. People are making a commitment here. Going to Toulon, is that not a good 90-minute drive from Winnipeg? No, no. no? I think it's, I think it's, it's uh, maybe 45 minutes. Oh, I've got that wrong. Yeah, it's not 52 that 52 minutes, it says. Okay, good. Yeah. That's all an hour doable. It's not that far. And their, their golf course is always in tremendous shape. They take great pride in their fairways. Uh, and, oh, th- oh, where did it go now? I, I lost it. Uh, there, we're getting so many text messages. Sam, the Nighthawk in Westhawk Lake. Yes, they have amazing food. Their French fries are spectacular. I, when I stayed at a little resort there called Tall Pines Lodge, I think I, <laughs> I think I ate my body weight in French fries. Uh, Carlos... Cuisina in uh, Sandy Hook, amazing food. Airliner driving in Beausajour, best burgers. That's from Keith. Wow. Overwhelmed. Good stuff. Good stuff. See? Okay, there we go. Now we've got a list we can make and we can keep those texts coming. Where is your kind of destination, lunch destination? If you're thinking of just putting the top down, metaphorically speaking, I know most of us don't have convertibles, but, you know, hitting the road for a Saturday or Sunday lunch or snack, what's your... Go-to drive, burger, fries, shake, fish, ribs, smoky goodness. I don't care. Send it to us. 780-6868. McGarry and McNabb, Mackling is back next week. Several times a week, the missing persons unit sends out notices of a child that has gone missing. An adult who went for a walk and didn't come home. A Winnipegger who might be out on the streets and is in need of help. Yeah, we see those notices daily. And on average, the Winnipeg Police Service deals with some 7,000 missing person cases per year. The pandemic hasn't changed that caseload. They're on track to potentially hit that same number again this year. But there are some concerns within the unit that when we get through this, cases could rise. That because COVID has changed the way we do so many things like school, no schools, sports, all the rest, vulnerable children may have had fewer places to turn for help. Inspector Mark Filippo is with the Specialized Investigations at WPS, and his work involves everything from missing persons to child abuse to sexual exploitation, and he's our guest this morning. Good morning, Inspector. Good morning, Lauren. Thanks for taking the time for being with us. If you could tell us about some of the challenges your members have had this past year with the pandemic at play. Yeah, so like many people and everyone's different organizations, we are no different, right? So um, uh with these challenges, uh, especially when it comes to missing uh, children, um, uh, schools, as you mentioned, is, is definitely one of those challenges, uh, the school closures in particular. So um, when we're out looking for children to return them home safely, um, you know, one of the resources that we rely on is the schools, be it the teachers, uh, school resource uh, officers that are in those schools, um, school counselors, whatnot. Obviously, they have a more 
you know, intimate knowledge of the circle of friends and the hangarounds and that can provide us that information for us to check on. So um, not having that at play is uh, definitely uh, um, been difficult uh, for our investigators to um, to work through. But, um, you know, apart from that as well, is uh, we rely lots and have a good working relationship with different partner agencies uh, when trying to locate these missing, uh, be it youth or adults, and... Um, you know, with the pandemic and people working from home, uh, uh, you know, it, it brings about some certain limitations uh, as well. So with that, we we certainly have less boots on the ground, if you will, uh, to assist in searching. We, again, with the partner agency, sometimes we also have a lot of independent search groups that uh, are a means to assist. And so um, so that, that presents a challenge as well. And, and you know, also... Um, when we're trying to locate, uh, let's say, a missing child, for example, um, you know, oftentimes we'll find them in someone else's home. And, uh, you know, especially early with the pandemic, people are a little more reluctant to allow police into their homes and, and not to be uncooperative, but just obviously a concern and trying to minimize exposure. And, and some as well may even have a fear of uh, a violation of a public health order if they had someone in their home. But our, our goal and, and our focus in those situations is just to locate the child and bring them home safely. Loren mentioned 7,000 missing persons cases a year. What other kinds of cases uh, might you encounter that are maybe common or perhaps uh, you know, not so common? Well, so, you know, apart from the missing uh, children, uh, one of the units under, under my direction is the Child Abuse Unit, for example. So, um, you know, we, um, we're not, in speaking with our investigators, we're not really seeing... A big upswing in uh, in cases, uh, or, or or less, obviously. But our concern is, um, you know, oftentimes, let's say again, going to the school example, a teacher, a school counselor, or another parent at the school, they may detect uh, uh, some abuse issues or neglect, and and would be the first to report that to us. And so, without uh, again having the ability to have that at our uh, disposal. Um, we're, we sometimes are concerned of what is going on behind closed doors because that person who's uh, subject of abuse is not having the ability to report it or to be detected. So, um, you know, truly it's uh, it's a scenario like many other things. Once the pandemic is behind us and we're looking at it through a review mirror, uh, we'll be able to fully dissect what the whole impact of this pandemic was. And, and that includes uh, how it uh, how it applies to child abuse matters. Yeah, uh, we, we are noticing, though, it's uh, not so much an upswing in the cases, but uh, anecdotally, I think we're seeing a few more cases of physical abuse as a, uh, uh, than we have seen in the past. Is there anything that, I mean, I know it's hard to pinpoint the why behind that because it's anecdotal at this point, Inspector, but what, what it, we know there's so many challenges out there for everybody. Is there concern that just, again, the frustrations of where we're at right now, people might have lost jobs, there being financial issues, put so much strain on families. And we had talked about this earlier in the year with the concern over domestic abuse and spousal abuse. And would that be maybe a similar case that could be happening to, to children that you're seeing more, potentially seeing more abuse as a result? You know, it's, it's difficult to say. Uh, certainly that could play a part in it. Um, but again, every circumstance is different in every home front, so uh, so it's really hard to pinpoint that. Um, w- what I would say is that you know uh, everyone does have a responsibility uh, to report uh, abuse. Um, we rely definitely on the public uh, 
to bring this forward to our attention. And it doesn't necessarily have to be an abuse happening in that moment and that they're observing. It could be suspected abuse. It could be uh, information on historical abuse. So, um, you know, it's just a friendly reminder that we all have a responsibility in reporting suspected child abuse. And what's the and best way to do, do that? Thank you, Brett. Right. So, you know, different options are available to the public. And, and again, you know, if obviously we always stress if it's an emergency, please call 911. Uh, if, you know, we have a non-emergency line, uh, the 204-986-6222, that's our non-emergency line where they can make a report of that nature. And then we also have a child abuse unit uh, and the sergeant's line is the 204-986-3296. Uh, so those are three different options uh, that certainly the public can use uh, to report any type of abuse, as well as um, there's obviously reporting to the police, but there's also reporting to the Child and Family Services as well. Inspector Mark Filippo is with Specialized Investigations at the Winnipeg Police Service joining us live on CJOB. Inspector, thank you very much for your time. Great. Thank you for having me. McGarry and McNabb, Mackling is back next week. One of the things we've been getting text messages on, we asked yesterday, did you get any side effects from vaccines? And today we're getting a lot of text messages about the Leela Super Site. Like we got three almost in a row here. My wife went to Leela yesterday. She waited five hours with her umbrella to get a shot. My friend waited six and a half hours in line at the Leela Site yesterday, but did get her second shot. And Tara says, I waited at the Leela Super Site for seven hours yesterday, but now I am fully vaccinated. I was one of the lucky ones who got the sticker that said I'd get the shot. So uh, good for everybody who's waiting so long. Uh, I think Tara went on to say, um, in response to you asking, Loren, how are you feeling today? Mostly just aches and pains and a, <laughs> and a horrible sunburn. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, you know, felt more like in the 30s yesterday with that humidity and it's 29 is the high today. And for those that were waiting, what happened is, is as I understand, they kind of basically had a post-it note with, you know, a sticker saying, you're in line now. It's going to still take several hours, but we're going to get to you because we know how we have that many doses. But then they had to put out that warning yesterday around three o'clock saying, look, we opened up at one as of three o'clock. We we will not be able to take any more people. So don't come down. Don't line up if you can't get in. We were speaking to Global's Abigail Turner just after seven because she's at the Leela site now where there are more doses available this morning. And she guessed there to be hundreds of people in line, close to 200 people now. A reminder for anyone that's going down there. They had tweeted out yesterday that they thought they had 700 doses available at the Leela walk-in site. First dose being the priority, second dose people were being served if possible. The province has updated now to say they really only have 430 doses now today. So if you're in that line and you're doing that thing that we all do, like, you know, am I going to get in? No matter what you're lining up for and you're counting back, that's the magic number. 430 doses available for the walk-ins at Leela. The good news is that they are planning more walk-ins starting as early as next week, Brett. That's going to be the way forward. With the exception of the RBC Convention Centre, it it will remain appointment only. Everywhere else, they're taking a look at can they provide walk-ins at all the other locations in the province. So that's something to keep an eye on as we move forward with vaccines. And I don't know exactly what I'm looking at here, and I'm seeking uh, just some clarification, but Jean has sent us a picture 
And I don't know, I can't tell if this is actually like something that she's made or if she's just inserted this text into these pictures, but she sent two pictures. And in the first one, it says, I'm here to get astrophized. And in the second picture, it says, I've been astrophized. So I don't know if these are stickers that she's made or if uh, she's just having some fun with Photoshop. But clearly, like a couple of weeks ago, I said vaccinated, uh, in, in, as in, you know, singles who, you know, vaccinated singles who hook up. And then you came up with astrophized. And uh, this gene is, is down with the astrophized. Well, she actually texted earlier. I said earlier this week, my appointment was tomorrow. It's on Friday, June 18th. And that I think I'm of going with astrophized because it sounds like a superhero name. And, and Jean texted on Monday to say, I'm getting astrophized Thursday at RBC. Mind if I steal your cape idea? And so it sounds like she was going to go for it. And I said, send pictures if you do. Oh. So again, I don't know if this is an actual, just kind of a logo she's put over, but I like it. Like if you're going to have pride in doing it, then the I'm getting astrophized is, is the way to go. That is great. So well done, Jean. I'm not saying that's the combo that's the way to go. I'm saying make up a name. Have some fun with it. I don't care if you're Astroderna, Fighter Modern, Modernizer, Modernator, <laughs> just whatever you want to. They're saying you can mix. So, you know, might as well have a smile on your face while you're doing it. Dave sending a text on dad recipes. And Dave says, I got a pretty funny dad story. And he adds, just so you know, the context of this story, my kids are adopted from Ethiopia. A number of years ago, my wife had something up in the evening and asked me to make supper for the kids. I prepared what I thought would be a tasty meal. As the kids stewed over their meal, they began grumbling about the food I made. I was appalled at their ungratefulness. Then I remembered a tactic my parents had used when I was a kid. Dad would often remind us of the less fortunate people on this earth and that we shouldn't complain about food. As my kids were complaining, I said in a stern voice, kids, there are many hungry children in Africa that would love to have this food. It was quiet for a minute, and my young son looked at me with his big brown eyes and said, Dad, trust me, I am from Africa, and this does not taste good. Oh <laughs> I was speechless after that. That is some feedback. <laughs> the feedback stories, you know, when you even the, I've, I've always, you try to teach the kids, you know, no matter what you take, especially if you're at a guest house and they offer something, you can say no thank you. But if you're eating a meal, you know, you're going to eat what's on the plate. And I don't want to hear complaints about it. And sometimes they try so hard, you can see them just swallow, like when they're at, I don't mean we're at someone's house, like when we're, when I've cooked them something and they're chewing it and they're like, thanks, mom. <laughs> you know, like that? No, no, it's, um, no. And then they get some water and, you know, the old water drink. And then you have six glasses of milk before the meal's done. And I don't put any napkins on the table, but they're going to learn that napkin trick soon enough and start spitting things in there if I put any more steamed broccoli on a plate. I have always struggled with hiding whether or not I'm, uh, as, as I'm sure you are, would not surprise you, Loren, with my resting bread face. If I don't like what I'm eating, I cannot hide it. And I remember the... I dated a girl like 20 years ago, and the first time she made me something was the last time she made <laughs> me something because I did not enjoy it, and I didn't say anything, but I, I, it was very clear that I was not enjoying it, and I feel terrible about it. I, you know, I got, I, I, I was, I was given a lesson later on by someone who said, "You're an idiot, man! Like you, you, you show some, like even just pretend that you like it. Pretend that you're grateful." She cooked you a meal. Don't just sit there like a, like a lunk. 
Yeah, except for that if it's the meal, like if you do the whole like, this is so great, then that becomes the meal they make you every single time. So if you overdo it, <laughs> next thing you know, like every Saturday or Sunday or, oh, I know I know you just love this, Brett, and then you're stuck with it. And then like 20, you could get married and 20 <laughs> years go by and finally you're on the deathbed and you're like, I got to be honest, your shepherd's pie sucks. You, you know then, what? This happened. Th- this did happen to me. I think I took that lesson into my next relationship. So when my uh, girlfriend uh, from about fifteen years ago, she made some kind of like a uh, chicken dish that I think it had like a strawberry sauce, which I'm sure is is great if you like that sort of thing. But I hated it. Yeah, I thought it was gross. But I wasn't about to tell her that. And I said, "Oh yeah, this is great." And then she would make it often. So I just had to, <laughs> I had to just suffer through it. You're stuck. That's why you had to break up. No. Couldn't tell her. <laughs> oh, hey, and by the way, did you see that on the subject of uh, favorite burger shacks or restaurants, you know, about an hour-ish outside of Winnipeg, uh, there's one with a great name, Cat's Sass Tavern Ooh. in uh, Richer. Or Richet. That's the one that always... Richer? Richet? Richot? Richot? <laughs> McGarry and McNabb, Mackling is back next week. Question of the day at cjob.com for Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first, you'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace at 204-832-6243. And the question is, is it time we do away with body houses in Winnipeg? Body, B-A-W-D-Y houses. And so far, 72% say yes, 28% say no. Cast your vote at cjob.com and we'll get a new question up for you soon at cjob.com. In the meantime, Loren, what's her name? A pronoun. Yeah, we want to talk this morning about how words, we really know words matter and how we understand them and use them matter too. And so as we celebrate Pride Month, we want to celebrate the growing vocabulary used to describe identity, gender, and sexuality. And Jennifer Boyce is the Director of Communications for EGAL Canada and joins us live now on The Start. Good morning, Jen. Good morning. Thanks for taking the time. This is such an important and crucial discussion, I think. And if we can, I'd like to just start with the acronym LGBTQ2. It's evolved over time, and there's even additions on it, I, I know. And so can we just kind of dissect it and walk us through the acronym? Yeah, so uh, the Government of Canada uses LGBTQ2. So that stands for lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, queer, or questioning, and two-spirit. Uh, at EGAL, we also add an I for intersex, uh, which is uh, one of the biggest upcoming issues in Canada, I think, today. And a lot of organizations, including EGAL as well, have started putting the 2S at the front to recognize um, Indigenous people who have come here before us and have a better understanding of gender than we do even today. Can I quickly follow up there? Sorry, you mentioned um, that's the up-and-coming definition. Can we walk through that again? So LGBTQ2 is what Canada uses, but there's an addition on the end there. You said it's going to be one of the emerging issues. What is it, and and what does it mean? So intersex is one of the emerging issues in Canada. It's widely uh, known in the international context, and LGBTQI is what's used internationally, actually. Um, So intersex is a person whose chromosomal, hormonal, or anatomical sex characteristics fall outside of the conventional norm. So um, in Canada, we still allow um, surgeries to happen on intersex infants, and that's been deemed as torture by the uh, United Nations 
um, convention. So we're a little bit behind there in Canada. So it's one of the things that we're putting a lot of our efforts in into at EGAL. Pronouns. Increasingly, we are seeing in email sign-offs or on social media, whether it's Twitter or Instagram, uh, she slash her or they slash them. Why is that an important shift? Yeah, so I think one of the one of the best things that we've seen lately is that shift towards uh, sharing our own pronouns. And by doing that and making those pronouns accessible, we're actually inviting other people to share their pronouns with us, which sort of creates a little bit more of an environment of inclusion, uh, especially for people who use pronouns outside of she or he, uh, such as they and them. Um, it creates that space where they can share their pronouns and there can be a little bit more inclusion in our, in our culture. What do I do, Jen, if I'm someone who, uh, you know, you're working to, to do your best and use the right language, but I make a mistake and I use the her, or I use the she when the preference would be, or the, the, the choice rather would be the they. What should one do? Do you apologize right away? How do you have that conversation with, you know, whether it's a family member, a loved one, or a coworker, where you're trying to better, just do better by them, but you get it wrong? Yeah, so... You know what? Most people are really understanding if you make a mistake. Um, what we typically tell people to do is just quickly apologize and brush it away. Uh, you don't want to put too much energy on yourself or you making a mistake or um, shifting that attention or drawing more attention to that error. Um, we usually just say to give a quick apology, correct yourself and go forward. How can we be more inclusive? So I think the pronouns, including pronouns, is one of the biggest things today that we've seen. And we're seeing that more and more like with LinkedIn and other social media platforms where we're able to share those things. So I think that's one way. And another is to really just think a little bit more about the language that we use every day um, and how that might impact someone who identifies outside of the gender binary. So um, something like, hey, guys, or when you're writing an email to a sir or ma'am um, or addressing a crowd like ladies and gentlemen, really just taking a moment to think about how our everyday use of language might impact those around us. Yeah, I was saying to you yesterday when we talked beforehand, just to set this up, Jen, that I, you know, we have a text line and, and someone might text in with a name and, and I make assumptions based on the name because you look at the name and say that that's a guy's name or a girl's name when maybe I should stop doing that and just start using the they or them. But I hadn't really thought about that before. So is it simple as just pausing to take a moment for that and asking the person, Hey, by the way, how would you like to be identified? Yeah. I mean, I, I would try not to put the person on the spot uh, if you're on air, but um, ahead of time would be a really great opportunity to make sure that you have that right. Um, We usually uh, suggest offering your own pronouns first. Um, which is a really great way if you're just meeting someone for the first time to figure out what their pronouns are and how best to address them. For a lot of people, I would imagine, uh, maybe, you know, from older generations or whatever, like some of this stuff, I don't think that their mind is closed to it, but it might be, it can be hard, you know, the the whole can't teach an old dog new tricks kind of stuff. Uh, So for people (laughs) who might struggle not because they're not trying, but it's just it can be hard to wrap your mind around a lot of these things because so many things are changing. Uh, do you have any suggestions for, for them as to how they can, you know, navigate their way through this? Yeah, I mean, I think we have to be patient with each other. Um, it's, it's important to just take a step back. You don't need to be um, 
good at everything right away or know everything. I would say just to take some time to educate yourself, check out websites like eGals, um, visit your local PFLAG uh, for information there. It's really just about taking little steps um, to find ways to educate yourself a little bit more on these things. I just want to pause and ask what the name of your dog is because my dog's regularly interrupting this program, Jen. I'm so sorry. I have a brand new puppy. His name is Ollie. Do not apologize. We're all working from home. We're doing all sorts of things. My dog is Moose, and you usually can hear him knocking things over upstairs around this hour, so I'm glad your dog is the distraction. I just thought I'd throw that in because I know that's how we're all doing so many things. You know, you mentioned talking about just learning more, being more aware, asking questions, do some do your own homework. And, you know, there's so many people that would say, you know, Canada has done so well on this front that we're working really hard, that we're increasingly inclusive. And yet we know EGAL put out its own report just this month on safer schools. And it shows some really startling findings about how kids are feeling growing up and, and that maybe we haven't come as far as we have. What was in that? And what, what was concerns for you that we need to be really aware of, Jennifer? Yeah, so... That's a really good point. So one of the things that I think is um, really, you know, hits home is the comparison. So we did this report 10 years ago and we found um, that there's only we've only seen a 10 percent improvement in some areas. Uh, like one of the main ones would be verbal uh, verbal harassment based on sexual orientation. So 47 percent 10 years ago reported that and or sorry. 51% 10 years ago reported that and 47% um, this year. So we really haven't seen a lot of improvement in in the last 10 years for some of these key areas. And I think cyberbullying has become a huge issue for 2S LGBTQI students. Um, and they're facing cyberbullying at 30% reported compared to 8% of non uh, 2S LGBTQ students. So there's some really drastic uh, differences there that we need to be aware of and start to take a little bit of action on. And before we let you go, uh, anytime we have conversations like this, usually we, we might get some some pushback. You know, people might say uh, angry things or, or just say like, ah, oh, uh, you know, this all just sounds like a bunch of hippy-dippy crap. You know, you mentioned patience, <laughs> but... but it, how can you? How would you have a conversation with somebody if they expressed that kind of a, a sentiment or concern to you? I mean, I think it's all about being respectful. Not everyone's ready to take those steps to educate themselves or learn more, and maybe it's not applicable to their lives. But I think on a very human level, um, to just care about one another and want to do better is what I would would encourage someone who is uh, of that mindset. Jennifer, thank you for having an open conversation with us. And I hope to bring you back on because there's just so much more to learn and grow with. And and the fact that you had to highlight that report that 51% of kids uh, struggled with bullying and and 47% 10 years ago, that's not a lot of growth there in my mind. So there's clearly more work to be done. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Jennifer Boyce is the Director of Communications for EGAL, joining us live on 680 CJOB. McGarry and McNabb. Mackling is back next week. Thank you very much for joining us this morning on The Start. A reminder, in our next half hour at 9.15, we will pick our fourth and final qualifier for Dad 
rocks. We're giving away a $500 gift certificate for Namath Diamonds. We're giving that away tomorrow. So continue to text us at 204-780-6868 on your dad's recipes, whether they're good, like we've heard some amazing recipes, or whether they're kooky, you know, like they might be weird, but they're good, or they're just awful. Send us those texts. We'll pick our qualifier next half hour. Earlier, we had a conversation at 637. We had a conversation on this headline from a website called Thrive Global. And the headline is, sorry, not sorry, why we need to stop apologizing. And the subtext, uh, subtitle, I'm sorry, is too important a phrase to waste. And, of course, being Canadian, we all apologize too much. And uh, we want to know what you think. Do you apologize too much? Do you think it's wasteful to just say, I'm sorry? I know that uh, I do say it a lot, Loren, but when I actually am sorry, like if I really screw something up or uh, I can actually be apologetic to the point where it's full-blown, like I'm just debilitated, like I can't function. I just feel this sort of deep shame and embarrassment and this immediate need to make things right. So that's also... A problem. Maybe it's because I already apologized too much, so that when I when I really need to apologize, I <laughs> I just feel so terrible. I don't know. I think that's part of it. Like that's part of the idea that in saying sorry so often, you're watering it right down. And also, why are you apologizing? And you, I mean, the collective you here. One of the examples I've read because this has been an, a growing theme in many companies and HR offices and executives saying like, don't say sorry so much. And there's even been some conversation that there might be, um, women might be more prone to saying it more quickly first in an office setting. And you know, where does that set you in terms of the dynamic? If you're always the one saying sorry, then the other person never has to be accountable for anything. But it also happens in moments of just complete lunacy it makes no sense you might be a person who says and i've done this you know your your waiter stopping by your table or your server sorry could you when you have a second could you refill my drink yeah it's their job yeah and you don't have to feel bad about that now you might feel bad they might be really busy you could say i recognize you're really busy right now when you're when you have a second could you please bring me a fork or a refill or whatever but you don't have anything to be sorry about in that moment and i think that's where we're at right now that sometimes it's becomes it becomes how we start a sentence almost you know it becomes the adjective that we use in the middle of something or the adverb or, or rather like you know you know how there was a conversation years ago about how swears just became a filler yeah like a word that you throw out when you don't know what else to say or you're pausing for thought and you throw out this expletive rather than rather than just pausing and thinking about what you want to say next. Well, now we're doing that with the I'm sorry. And you got nothing to be sorry about. You know, you roll up and your window's down at a drive-thru. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, you got to roll your window down. Like, just do your thing. And, and I think we do all need to think about how often we are apologizing. And one of the things that this article points to, they, they sort of give a, a whole bunch of different tips here. The first tip is knowing when not to apologize. And they point to the example where a common misfire is when we say, I'm sorry to bother you. You know, in many instances, what we really mean is that we need information or need the other person to do something, often something that's a normal part of their job. Our request is not any kind of imposition. And I am guilty as charged in doing this, in particular when I am uh, texting or emailing 
our bosses. I feel like like the fact that I'm reaching out or sending a text that I'm somehow imposing or that I'm somehow being annoying when I might just be reminding them to like, hey, can you please, I need you to do this. You're my boss. I need you. To, I can't, you know, I don't get paid if you don't do this. So why am I apologizing? Right. And so I think that's part of it. Why? Why? Stop and ask yourself, why are you apologizing? It's not when you interrupt someone, I have texted you guys. Sorry, I interrupted you there. Apologies. And I mean it. I am sorry. Now, should I? Is it fixing the problem? Not necessarily. So, But it, the, there needs to be that moment to pause. So that's one of the tips. Just take a breath. Take a deep breath. And before that, that might stop you from putting that sorry out there so quickly. And another thing, too, it, I've been reading this morning that sometimes, you know, the sorry is a replacement for the fact that you're actually thanking the person. Like, I'm sorry for bugging you with this, but... And what you really might be saying is, thank you for listening. I appreciate it. Not, I'm sorry. You're, you're thankful. You're grateful in that moment. And so when you know you can get out of that habit, you might have a better chance of even having a better conversation. But let's see where it gets it. I, I, you know how a few months ago, Brett, I said I hated how often I used, no worries. Yeah. And so I have tried so hard to stop it because every time I type it to you and Greg, I think all I hear is no worries. And so I've changed it to say no problem or that sounds good. And so I'm going to try really hard to be more aware. You're going to start calling me mean. There'll be no apologies coming from me. Well, I'm sorry, Loren, but we are out of time. <laughs> Global News I'm at 9 sorry, is next. McGarry and McNabb, Mackling is off this week. Question of the day, cjob.com, brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first, you'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace at 204-832-6243. Hot off the presses, we have just updated our question of the day at cjob.com. And your question is, what's your preference on getting a vaccine? Appointment or walk-in? So you can pick out of that appointment or walk-in. Cast your vote at cjob.com, and uh, I'll try to get that up on Twitter as well, at 680CJOB. And, you know, we're talking about walk-ins because a lot of people lined up this morning, Loren, to get a shot. Yeah, for the third day in a row, they are offering walk-ins at Leela. But it sounds like uh, many of those spots may have already been grabbed. We are joined now by Global News Morning reporter Abigail Turner. Abigail, I know you were there bright and early this morning. How did things evolve and change from what you first saw around 7 a.m.? Really fastly. That's uh, the best word to describe it, Lauren. I got there around 6.30 and there was about 50 people in line waiting to get a vaccine. They had their lawn chairs, they had blankets, they had their to-go mugs full of coffee. And between 6.30 and 7.30, that line really grew to about 200 people uh, wrapped around the parking lot. Those baseball diamonds behind the Leela site, they, it was completely full of people looking to get either their first or their second dose of the Pfizer vaccine. How many doses do they have available today? Well, originally we were told there would be 700 doses available today, just specifically for the walk-ins at that site. But because it was so busy yesterday, they actually used some of that allotment. So today there's only 430 vaccines. And we heard from the province at about 8.40. So that's 20 minutes before the doors actually opened that that 430 doses had already been spoken for. So as I was standing there, I saw about half of that line all of those people head back towards their cars because uh, there's just not enough doses for them. 
So as we talk about this, Abigail, one of the questions and the reason why we made that our question of the day is that we know there are people who have made bookings and, and this seems to be more of an issue for people trying to get their second dose is that because of the demand, they are now being booked into mid-July or even late July in some cases. And so walk-ins are going to be more the norm, we're understanding it in the weeks ahead. Is that for everywhere, every point in the province? Like what's the caveat there for how they might roll out those walk-ins? Yeah, so this was the actual pilot for Manitoba at the Leela site. Clearly, it's in high demand just based on the lineup I saw today and the day before that and the day before that. So we heard from the province yesterday that because of this, they're going to be creating some walk-in space at all of the other uh, vaccine super sites except for the RBC Convention Centre. Um, and they're going to be creating about 10% uh, capacity for shots, but the catch here is that they're going to be Moderna shots. So that means um, youth, children, they won't be available for those walk-in spots. It'll only be for 18 plus. All right, Global's Abigail Turner joining us live on 680 CJOB. Abigail, thanks for the update. Thanks, guys. And I have added a third option. I forgot to add this in our question of the day at CJOB.com. The third option is I'm not getting vaccinated. So what's your preference on getting a vaccine appointment or walk-in? Appointment, walk-in, I'm not getting vaccinated. Cast your vote at cjob.com. And one of the things we were talking about earlier when we were poking fun at our buddy Greg Mackling, who was texting us at 4 a.m. today, like, what are you doing up, dude, and why are you on Twitter, and why are you sharing tweets with us? Uh, This one he actually sent, I think, 10.30 last night, and it has to do with the headline, Burn in the USA. (laughs) The Springsteen on Broadway show, they are not going to accept Uh, people who got the AstraZeneca vaccine because they are only going with FDA-approved vaccines. So that does not include AstraZeneca. It wasn't used in the United States. But meanwhile, 1.7 million Canadians got the AstraZeneca vaccine. So what is that going to mean for Canadians who want to go to the United States? Uh, You know, Loren, you suggested money talks, so you don't see this going too far, but... Well, it might in the beginning. I mean, right now we're talking about one... Broadway show putting this in place, having that requirement to say that you can only come into the show if you've had an FDA-approved vaccine. So in that country, that'd be Pfizer and and Johnson and Johnson. I, it could extend to other places. There might be people who want to do that. My my points earlier this morning were that the AstraZeneca, it wasn't as I understood the FDA hesitancy to not approve it was based on some of the side effects related to the rare blood clots. It wasn't about being effective or the efficacy of it. So if we add it all up, I mean, I don't know what they're really saying. I know they're, I know they're, they're trying to go down maybe by the, the U.S. guidelines, but there's, there's no reason to not think that the person who has the AZ vaccine or the combo of AZ and Pfizer is dramatically uh, less impacted or sorry, more impacted than the person who has the other. So I am confused by that. I'm, I do, I guess I have some concern that other places might adopt that, but I, I think it just becomes so murky and moderate. You know, if an airline were to do that, how you'd have to know the list and how do they, how do we even prove? I'm not even sure yet what's on the vaccine card, Brett. You mentioned, so you've had the double dose of AZ. Yep. You're not going to Springsteen show, but you weren't going anyway. I know that. So you you say you have the QR code that's been sent to you, but you haven't yet seen the physical card. I didn't imagine a scenario where it was going to give great detail on the vaccine. I thought it was going to be more like kind of that stamp, you know, double dosed McNabb. And that's going to have that should be all the information that should be on there. So I don't know. Are our cards really going to have proof of which vaccine we got? They shouldn't. 
Yeah, well, that that's that was my under impression when they announced this was that it's just going to be your info that you have been vaccinated and that's it. Because I know a lot of people are concerned that there you'll the QR code will give. Uh, people access to your medical records. Uh, but the, I seem to remember the province being pretty clear on this, that it's just going to have a record of you, the fact that you are immunized and that's it. So I don't know if it's going to state that you got the AstraZeneca vaccine or if it's just going to say immunized. Um, so I don't know that they, because a lot of people are saying, well, they shouldn't, like they, they can't ask you, what are they going to tell you that you can't come into the show because of your religious beliefs? So why should they be able to ask you which vaccine you got? Mm-hmm. But then, but then if, if, the, if the card doesn't prove it, like let's say you, show, you flash the card, right? And they say, okay, you're immunized. Which vaccine did you get? So then do you lie? Like are, am I just going to have to start saying uh, Pfizer? Yeah, I just I don't see where this goes, and so I'd like to think it stops and ends, starts and stops with this Springsteen sh- Springsteen show, and no one else adopts that. And I, I had mentioned to you not just the the questions of filling that vaccine type shaming that would be going on. Oh, easy, hey, like give me a break. You went out and took the first dose because that's what we were instructed to do, and we did, and I did as well, Brett. And so. Um, I think that that is really unfortunate if that's the way that that's going to go in some spots. But more than that, I mean, we're not alone. The UK's first round of vaccines were pretty much all AstraZeneca. Same with several other countries in Europe and as well as around Asia and, and spots around the world. And so if they if places start getting picky about which vaccine they think is better in terms of access, then you're shutting out a whole lot of people. And I cannot imagine... Uh, economy like the u.s saying we're going to turn away millions of people as a result and i'm just a heads up i'm on the province's website is my data secure under the questions and answers the cards do not contain any personal health information or data it only contains your name and your immunization status and the immunization card contains multiple levels of security safeguards to keep this information safe so there's that and as well just quickly on the vaccine shaming thing yeah that as a single guy loren looking to maybe get back in the game soon to get vaccinated that's something I am genuinely concerned with. Which so which vaccine did you get? Oh, AstraZeneca, hey. All right, I'll pass. So It's so fascinating that people are even asking that. I had someone ask me that the other day. Someone I didn't know, standing in line outside a store, got talking, well, which one did you get? And I know that's the natural way that's going. Yep. But I, it seems like we, you know, let's not cross the line of what's personal stays personal. McGarry and McNabb, 204-780-6868 is the number you've been sending text messages to. For Dad Rocks, one lucky listener, $500 gift certificate, Nameth Diamonds. We're giving it away tomorrow. We've got three qualifiers. We are about to name our fourth and final qualifier. And uh, great story. so many great stories. It's always almost impossible to choose a winner. Uh, but we can o- there can be only one. But uh, Loren, I don't know which of... <laughs> there are so many good stories here. How do you pick just one to read as a runner-up? Well, there's been so many of people, you know, there was the peanut butter and HP sauce, sardine sandwiches. There's one where uh, the dad would enjoy raw hamburger meat from the fridge. The (laughs) wife would make the patties, and then they'd eat the raw hamburger meat, him and his son, like kind of what they call the poor man's tartare. So, you know, (laughs) the burgers would be all good to go in the fridge, and the mom would come home, and these two were... Wiping it on the bread. And then, of course, there was the great story uh, from Bev who talked about her dad thought he was the best at barbecue. He would do the cooking and bring it all steaks in all the same time. He'd ask everyone how they'd like their steak cooked. We'd tell him 
He would give everyone their steak, and they would all be cooked the same. He was always <laughs> adamant, Bev says, that each one was cooked to perfection, the way you had asked him to cook it. If you wanted it well done, and there was blood running out, he would tell you it was well done. <laughs> In his mind, he could barbecue to perfection. Not, says Bev. <laughs> oh, that's tremendous. We had a lot of stuff like that this morning. But Colin is our qualifier. Colin says, my dad is a man of routine. Same guy who feels complete unrest if someone touches the thermostat. The definition of ducks in a row. Always. When we were younger, as I had two brothers and a sister all under one roof, dad would always make his rub for the Sunday night roast chicken. It had to be done on Saturday so it could fester overnight to be applied Sunday morning. One Sunday morning, he was up and realized there was no rub in the fridge. A mix of butter, garlic, onions, and herbs. It had vanished. Incredibly upset. He spent all morning wondering if he had forgotten to make it, which threw such a wrench into his morning. He couldn't function properly. It was tough to watch because he was genuinely concerned he was losing his memory. 1 p.m., youngest brother came up the stairs while we were all sitting around. He was a bartender, so he came home at 4 a.m. And when my brother came into the room, it felt we had been punched in the face by some god-awful odor in his inebriated state... And the story cut off here, so I just got to pull up the follow-up text here. In, the, in his inebriated state, uh, my brother thought the rub was a sauce and dumped it on pasta and ate it. So he comes up oozing, and I mean oozing, garlic and booze. To this day, I have never seen my pops laugh harder, more out of relief that he knew he had made the rub. So happy Father's Day, pops. Also, the first time I heard the word quarantine is my brother was not allowed out of his room for the rest of the day. <laughs> because, because he was being punished or he stunk Probably too much, because he I'm going to guess. <laughs> Colin, wonderful story. Thank you very much. You're our fourth and final qualifier. McGarry and McNabb Mackling is off this week. We had a conversation at 737 for our small town salute. We asked you to text us about your favorite burger shack or diner that's like maybe an hour, an hour-ish outside of Winnipeg if you're looking to, you know, just hit the road and go somewhere to eat, go for a drive. And now we want to open the phone lines and invite you to tell us that. Just tell us over the phone at 204-780-6868. Give us a call. We'd love to hear your voice on this one. We uh, we rarely take phone calls in this show. We often just don't have time, but we would love to make some time for you right now because, Loren, when we mentioned it on text, and I knew this would happen, as soon as we a- asked for those text messages, we were simply overrun with great suggestions. Yeah, and to the point where I was making a list because there's so many of these communities that I'll pass through. Like someone texted about... Uh, Guacamole, guacamole in Portage La Prairie. It has amazing Mexican burger. So obviously, you know, when, when we can, I, I get back to Minnedosa or up to Clear Lake. That's a place I go through. And then there was also a suggestion for Rosie's Cafe in Inwood. I mean, they were coming in fast and furious. And uh, to, to the point where I um, had so many browsers open for the menus that I could not find our show rundown or the weather when I was doing the weather segment. <laughs> I heard Forche say, Loren, uh, that's you. You're supposed to do the weather. And I'm like, uh, hang on. 
I'm looking up a sweet smoked rib burger right now that I need to figure out how to get in my belly. So, yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> so call us now, 204-780-6868. Where should we go if we want to hit the road on the weekend and go for a burger or go for a snack somewhere and in, in the hour-ish range outside of Winnipeg? Glenn joins us now live on The Start. Good morning, Glenn. Hey, guys, I got two suggestions for you, one on, on each side of Lake Winnipeg. If you're going down the east side of Lake Winnipeg, you can't beat the Hillside Store and Eatery. Great burgers, great fries, pizza, everything you want there. Amazing food. And in Sandy Hook, you got to check out Carlos Cucina. We've had a couple of people text us about that. Where is that? In Carlos Sandy. Cucina is in the Sandy Hook RV Resort right along Highway 9. You can't miss it. And again, just absolutely fantastic food there. Is that a new place? Uh, it is, and it's not. It used to be in the uh, Elmwood, uh, Elmwood Curling Club here in Winnipeg, and then they had to move out after COVID hit, and the curling club shut down. So they began to operate out of the Winnipeg Beach uh, Community Center over the winter, and now they've moved to the Sandy Hook RV Resort. Oh. oh, wow. That's very cool. Good for them to keep making a go of it. That's awesome, Glenn. Thank you. And the Hillside one that's in Hillside Beach? Right in, in the Hillside Beach, yeah. Great food, great ice cream. Again, I can't recommend that place enough if you're on the east side of the lake. Right on, Glenn. Thank you very much. Awesome suggestions. We appreciate the call. Okay, have a great day, guys. That's one of the things you mentioned it earlier as well, Loren, that Sills has great milkshakes. I always feel, mm-hmm. I always want the milkshake, but I'm always, like, I'm always full by the time I'm done my burger and fries uh, to the point where I know that if I have a milkshake, I'm just going to be in so much pain. But That's I, why you have kids. They get the milkshake, you drink half their milkshake. Oh, so you just get some of it. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Julian. Hey, Julian, how are you? I'm doing all right. What's, where's, what's your suggestion? My suggestion would be going to Stonewall and stopping by the kiln. The kiln. So we had, yeah, what, yeah. What, what do you like about the kiln? They, they got uh, really good burgers and fries that's homemade. They got a, a good chili for the burger. Okay. Yeah, it's, a, it's just a good good little place. And is there a particular burger that you would recommend? Uh, just just all of them, I think. Uh, <laughs> it don't matter. Just, uh, they, got, they got nice big burgers with lots of cheese and uh, chili and, yeah, just good stuff. Okay, yeah. I'm looking at their menu right, right now, a huge menu on their wall. And, uh, yeah, they've got, uh, wow, the pickerel burger even. Oh, that sounds good. Can you hear me typing yep. over here? I'm typing fast and furious looking up all these restaurants. This is a the kiln looks great. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much. And I can confirm that the place I went was uh, Sig's in Stonewall. I'm just looking at pictures of it right now, and that is definitely the place that I went. And we had a wonderful experience there. Lisa. Hi. Hey, Lisa, where where would you suggest we go? I would suggest you would go to Sherwood Forest Chip Shack on Stead Road, which is just uh, about an hour north of the Winnipeg on 59. Stead Road. <laughs> go ahead, I'm right. typing this in right now. I just, I'd like to look it up as soon as I hear it. So it's called Sherwood Forest Chip Stand. Sherwood so- Forest Chip Shack, yep. So obviously it's about some French fries, but it looks like they've got a fryer tuck burger brett (laughs) which which must mean it's large yes 
and delicious. <laughs> well, enough that because Sherwood wasn't Sherwood uh, Forest. Wasn't that Robin Hood? That was Robin Hood. Yes. Okay. Well, that's perfect. That's that's good. Yeah. Okay. How do I? Uh, so, when, you, you said. The, sorry. You said it's an hour and a half out of Winnipeg. An hour. Hour. Pardon me. Okay. So it's just past South Beach Casino. Ah. Okay. I've probably driven yeah. by it then. Home you of the Friday. Well, you, you just have to go up Stead Road about two minutes, and it's right there. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know what? That's something I might have to do then, Lisa. Thank you for the call. Uh, if because I I'll, I pass South Beach when I go out to golf mm-hmm. in Grand Pines, which is in Grand Marais, so maybe that's uh, something to check out on the way back. <laughs> I'm feeling for you right now because just when you were talking the other day about maybe you need to try to to um, cook some more or maybe you know not not the burgers and the pizzas and all the rest. Now you're golfing again. Yeah. And now you've got golfing and burgers that yeah. you have to combine basically at every turn. Pretty much. That's okay. I, I, I like this. <laughs> I feel like you should have a weekly segment, Brett's Journeys, Brett's, <laughs> Brett's Review, where you review the burger and the golf course. You know what? Oh, that's a good idea. Al, what's uh, your hey, suggestion? Uh, I suggest uh, going, when you go, if you go to Gimli, you go to Europia. The portions there are huge, and uh, if you ask the guy for a salad, he'll go, no salad, half <laughs> salad, just like the soup Nazi. Really? And... Uh, <laughs> And and uh, and then we couldn't believe it. So we he, he, okay, a half salad. I'll take a half salad. And then you get the salad, and it, it covers your plate, and it's like four inches high. Caesar salad is unbelievable. I've, the the French fries you order French fries. It's it's a full plate. Like oh boy. Yeah, I'm looking yeah. at the pictures now. Hold, you are not kidding about the portion size, man. Wow. Yeah, and make sure you ask for a salad because then you'll get the no salad. <laughs> 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 oh, that's great! Okay, yeah, Gimli has a ton of great restaurants. Like you, you almost can't go wrong anywhere. Uh, we've had some people suggest Brennavins, and I think the Beach Boy. They've got a couple of great spots in Gimli for fish and chips. Yeah, so, Chris's Fish and Chips. I don't, I don't know if that's the exact title, but that's a great spot to go. I used to actually, when I was working for Global, like pitch stories in the Gimli area for during the summer, strictly so I could get up there <laughs> and have lunch at places. Really. Really got to get it. It's a great story. We really got to get up there. And then <laughs> as soon as I'm in the car, I'm like, okay, so we're going to stop right for lunch. Like, <laughs> it is, and it is Chris's fish and chips. Yes. That's the other place. Uh, Denise, hello there. Hello. What's your suggestion? My suggestion is uh, not really a burger place, but uh, it's sort of our go-to place in the area. It's uh, just north of Riverton, uh, called Integrity Foods, and I think probably in the in the whole area it was the the original wood-fired pizza place and it's absolutely fabulous Ooh, wood-fired pizza do you have a favorite kind of pizza well uh the mediterranean one is a bit unusual but it's uh, terrific it's got uh, it has actually has hard-boiled eggs on it but oh. they do they do a garden pizza where you go pick your own vegetables and uh they put it on a beautiful handmade spelt crust, and you can watch them cook it. And there's always a, a lot of kids running around enjoying the animals there, and uh, the family is absolutely fabulous. So I would recommend that uh, as a destination for anybody. And I think they're starting up pizza nights on the weekends next week, I believe. 
You know what? This sounds familiar. We may have done this. We may have uh, featured Integrity Foods for a small town salute once upon a time, Loren, because this is ringing a bell. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, okay. So thank you for the reminder, right? Because we, we okay. you know, we, we, I especially forget lots of things. I, Loren remembers so much stuff. Greg remembers so much stuff. I forget things like every day. Uh, it's just sort of in and out. So uh, <laughs> thank you for the reminder. Because, yeah, that sounds like a wonderful experience. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Bye. I think we have time for, well, let's see if we can, how many we can sneak in here. Paul, what you got? Hi. Uh, there's a place in Pinawa. It's a food truck. It's called Water Eats. They have great homemade burgers. Just awesome. Sorry, what's Say it, it called? again. I didn't hear the name. Uh, it's Water Eats. Water Eats. Yes. I like it. You're on the water and you're eating. Doesn't get any yes. simpler, simpler than that. Oh, is that and the Burger Shack awesome that's in like a boat? Burgers. Nope, nope, nope. That one is, I think, is closed now. Oh no! But, uh, yeah. but there's one that's just before that boat, and it's on the right-hand side, just before it. Okay, right on, Paul. Thank you for that. Pinawa, another great place and mm-hmm. another great golf course. Aaron, hello there, Aaron. Hey guys, uh, I know Loren had just kind of said it earlier, but mole guacamole in Puerto La Prairie has the best Mexican food in the province. Uh, hands down, like, uh, Brett, head out, golf quarters of prairie. It's a beautiful course. And then get yourself some shrimp tacos afterwards. You'll be blown away. Hey, is that, is that Wilgosh? It is. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, Mr. Wilgosh. You're a former colleague of ours. I thought I recognized that voice. Yeah. How you doing, buddy? We're doing all right, man. We're doing all right. So it's called mole guacamole. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's a local... Mexican restaurant. It's got a local Mexican abuela, a grandma working in the kitchen, and it's so authentic. It's amazing, buddy. Come out. I'll treat you to golf. We'll uh, we'll get some Mexican. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right on, Aaron. Thank you. Thanks for that. That sounds like a great plan. Uh, this has been fun. Thank you for all of the suggestions. And uh, yes. have you? Sorry, you gonna have you been taking notes, Loren? You've made yourself I, a list. I've got mole guacamole on the list, and I've got a couple that they mentioned up fifty nine. And Brett, we had someone. I said to you, you should have a show or a segment where you talk about your golf and your eats. And uh, someone's given you a name: Brett's Eats and Putts. It's a good <laughs> side hustle. I love it. That's the recommendation. Brett's Eats and Putts, brought to you by. And each week, I mean, I, we could sell this. I got a whole thing going on, my friend. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon.